Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from the Fans First Sports Network Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, presenting to you another Las Vegas Raiders coach or player press conference. We are there. We are absolutely locked in, and we are part of the Las Vegas Raiders, not the organization, but we're connected to it because we are beat writers who cover it every single day. Thank you for joining us. We're so proud to be part of the Fans First Sports Network. Let's get right in to this great press conference so that you can stay as connected as we are. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. And joined today by my good buddy, John Shop, as we do each and every week. We go around and talk ball, and, and we talk about Raiders, and we talk about the really the NFL in totality. John... I got an interesting subject that I want to discuss with you today. Um, it's one that I I find fascinating. It's the Raiders, of course. And I whether or not a person likes Antonio Pierce as a potential full-time head coach, that can be a legitimate debate. But I don't think you can debate this is a better team today than the team the day before he took over. Agree or disagree? That's no question. Every, everybody's seen it. They're playing harder. They're playing more focused. Uh, they look a little more organized. There's not a question. They've been better in every week so far than they were under Josh McDaniels this year. I agree with you. What has stood out to you? To me, there's a couple of things. They've been competitive in every game. They're playing with more energy. They're hitting hard. They're going after people. I like the way they're playing. Clearly, there's some holes, but that's not AP's fault. He inherited a team halfway through the year after trade deadline. It's not on the GM. It's not on him. It's just reality. Yeah, one of the things that's probably stood out most is it, it probably is the energy and how hard they've played. They're playing significantly harder hey john we lost you for john we lost you for a second say that again the energy is there they're simply playing harder on every single snap you're seeing them playing harder um the gap between the talent of the raiders and their opponents looks closer than it was it looks more in the raiders favor than it did the first part of the season now, usually that's something that we see carry over for a little while, maybe the first week or two. What has stood out to me is that you can still see how hard they're playing under Antonio Pierce, and it looks like this kind of effort level and energy level 
is something they can use through the entire season. That's not always the case with new coaches and and or major coaching moves. Are we going to see that in Pittsburgh? Are we going to see that in Buffalo? Are we going to see that by deletion in Washington? Probably not. So, yeah, I think you objectively look at the NFL, you say the Raiders are playing harder and they've got more energy under Pierce than they did before. And, 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 and maybe most importantly, they are making a point of emphasis to get the ball to their featured players, especially when they're on offense. They're trying to get the ball to Jacobs. They're trying to get the ball to Adams very, very clearly. We saw that last week, and the Chiefs did enough to stop it, but that also has stood out. Those are probably the the things that stand out most in watching the Raider games from afar to date. Mm. So, John, let me go over with you what's really stood out to me. Um, I The officiating, we've talked about it all year, has been horrible this season. And, like, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> In the Chiefs game, there was such a blatant pass interference where Devontae was wide open and what could have been a big momentum-turning play in the game. Just no call. I mean, I. it was so blatant. I am. I have two friends that are NFL referees. One is retired. One is current. Um, and so I don't believe the league is rigged because I know both of these men. I know they're men of integrity, and I don't think they would participate in that. In fact, I know they wouldn't. They're they're two honorable men. But I think the officiating has just been horrible. And I want to ask you, at what point does the NFL say, all right, we got to worry about our reputation, and we're going after guys who are betting on non-football in places that it's legal. We need to be worrying about us hurting the game by not improving officiating, thus giving people who don't know officials the platform to say this is rigged. I mean – They've got to think about their own product. Am I wrong? No, they do. And, you know, that specific play, um, Devontae reacted so immediately that it got a lot of attention. I'm usually not a fan of, of necessarily the players reacting unless it's remarkably obvious because then it actually brings attention and a focus to it. And, yes, the NFL's got to pay some attention here. It looks like Texas is going to come online. It looks like Florida is coming online. They've got some legal battles going there. The reason I mentioned those are two massive population states, so there's going to be more betters coming. When does it happen? My guess is when a critical mass of owners in the NFL bring it up or say, this is a problem. We ought to be trying to improve our product, including the officiating, every single year at an increased speed just like you, 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 and you do in your other businesses. Because so many of the owners in the NFL now have other businesses or come from other businesses. When does that critical mass get hit? Well, obviously, we hope it gets hit as soon as this next, basically, the, the I guess, the winter meetings, the meetings after the season's over. We're seeing this inching along to the off-field official. That needs to happen. We're seeing more involvement from New York. That's fine. Some of this is good and better. We need to see an improvement in the officiating 
we need to see some revisions of the rules, which is a, probably an off-season discussion. We talked a bit about the competition committee needing somebody whose really main focus is that job and not coaching this team or that team. These things need to come together. There needs to be some reform with some of the rules. There needs to be reform with some of the penalties. The uh, point of contact pass interference, that's got to go. There has to. There really probably should be a difference for your side of the 50 and the other side. We need graduated penalties when it comes to targeting and stuff like that. But your initial point and the most important thing is that the overall quality of the officiating in the sport has to be consistent. It has to be look like it's on a curve getting better. People can appreciate, okay, they're trying their best and they're actually working to get better. What fans should not and do not appreciate now, and clearly the players don't, is when we're seeing the same problems over and over and over that we've seen 10, 15 years ago. There's no place for those anymore. They got to get better. And bless America, they can. This is the most popular form of entertainment in the country. 131 million people watched it last Turkey Day. You got to step it up. John, I got to tell you, I was literally like, I have watched all season Max Crosby get held, tackled. I mean, almost every plate now raiders need to understand something and matt millen has said it on this 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 podcast the raiders for years were like rule number one cheat rule number two when in doubt remember rule number one so you can say oh the people the other teams are cheating well raiders did too and if it's not getting called can you blame them a win's a win so anyways i just think the day is coming when the NFL, because they want to protect their own product, is going to have to do. I know, now, I'm going to be honest. I've asked my friends who have been referees, are and presently, what do you think of full-time refs? And they're like, well, we're already reviewing tape during the week. We're looking at tape during the week. I don't know what else we can do with that time. They've said it sounds good, but it's really not. There's nothing additionally that we're going to be able to do. It's not going to change the product a whole lot, which I thought was an interesting approach. They said, great. You want to pay me a lot more money to quit my job? Okay. But I'm I'm not going to be doing much more than I'm doing now. I thought that was interesting. It is. It is. And that's always been my contention is that's not going to make that big of a difference. Um, I remember, you know, the referees finally, the referees almost had their own informal training camp for years that Ed Hockley and one of the other great refs uh, put together. It was featured on Real Sports probably a decade ago. It's worth taking a look at if you can find it. They get together, review the rule changes, talk about some things. Um, That's great. And having them be full-time, that's great, too. That's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is a revision of the rules, uh, organization, some technology built in, and then a push to improve it. And the biggest thing I really think is the off-field official. The off-field official with a limited jurisdiction is going to take care of a lot of it. And we're getting a sneak preview. I feel like we have like a a 33% preview with the quick look and some of the other stuff that they're doing from New York. That's like just a 33% preview of what an off-field official would do. The time for reorganization is there. Sensible technology implementation. 
with that, you're going to have a better product officiated and a better product on the field. Yeah, fascinating to me, John. All right, I'm going to let you take it away. It's the bye week. What are some NFL topics that we're going to discuss today, John? Around the NFL, we go, we got to start right here. We got to start here with you and me. We talk a lot since the summer about some folks, and we pointed the finger at some. Russell Wilson, Jadavian Clowney, first of all. Well, Russell Wilson appears to be going along well. We must take our hat off to him. Now, you could say he's just dinking it there and, and every once in a while making a, a throw. Well, those throws have been pretty good, and he has surpassed what looked like a career that was absolutely over to this point. So we must take our hat off to him and say, hey, you got it going. Jadavian Clowney, work ethic, practice issues, all kinds of issues. Can the Ravens revive the guy? Well, we've seen him make impact plays as recently as this week. So we must take our hat off to him and say, hey, looks like you got something there. If nothing else, one great final season, hopefully. Now, we can point the finger another direction. What in the world is David Tepper doing in Carolina? We talked about it last week that maybe Frank Reich needed to keep his eyes out. He's gone already. And this guy is out there saying, Oh, I'm a patient guy, and I don't think the fact that I fired Matt Rule and Frank Reich is going to have any effect on the job search. What what planet is this guy on? Am I crazy, or is he out of his mind right now as far as how he's supposed to own a football team? Well, he's a billionaire, and he's going to do it his way. Um, That's fine. I, I, I got to tell you, it's fascinating to me. And owners like that end up having to overpay the next guy because he doesn't really want to go there if he's any good. Or you go get a rookie, and then the rookie has to learn, so you end up firing him. It's fascinating. I don't remember the number, and I I should have written it down. But someone last week told me how much money NFL franchises owe fired coaches. And I mean, John, it was a ton. It's it's money. gotta be it's gotta be fifty million bucks, probably. It's oh no, no, be... no, no, no. It's closer to a billion. <laughs> That's I'm incredible. Not, I'm not I'm not saying it was a billion. Yeah. But Mark Davis was almost fifty million just to, to Josh McDaniels. Yeah, you add them all up. Yeah. You know, the amazing thing about Carolina is is uh, if people haven't seen a season with the Carolina Panthers, it's great. It's basically hard knocks for the season. Um, it was the first year of David Tepper's ownership. You saw some signs of maybe concern there. And you also saw the Carolina practice facility, which is right next to the stadium there in Charlotte. It It practically looks like a high school facility, to be fair. So maybe one of the first signs we saw that Tepper had an issue was when he – worked out a facility in South Carolina and then pulled the plug on it and something went boom. I'm like, huh, that's kind of strange. Um, they did some nice updates to the to the fine stadium in Charlotte, but they don't even have a good practice facility. So I'm not sure how great a coach they're even going to be able to entice there because it looks like a bit of a disorganized franchise with no sign of a quick correction. We just got rid of Dan Snyder. Taking all the bad stuff off the field that Snyder did, is this guy going down the Snyder path? If you remember the mid to late nineties of shotgun decisions, shooting all over the place and hitting not many targets. Right. I agree with you, John. I want to <laughs> ask you real quick. I, 
as you know, wrote an article this week in, in which I, I really dug in and discussed Mark Davis. And does he go with an owner-led team, which means he picks a GM and a coach, and they're both accountable to him? Does he hire a GM and then let them pick a coach? Or does he hire a coach, let them pick a GM? These are fascinating times. And as you know, I was the first, because you were on the show with me, at the beginning of the year to say I was hearing if Belichick did make the playoffs, he would be gone. I actually had a person in the comments when I mentioned that the other day say, you're lying. I'm like, okay, whatever. But go back and watch. I did. Um, I think we're learning very few people can do that. Very few. And the amount of failures far exceed the successes. I think it's a fascinating time. And I believe whatever direction Mark Davis goes, and it's not my job to tell him what to do, but whatever he does, I believe good or bad, this is going to be a legacy defining decision for him. Agree or disagree? No, I agree totally because you've got a line in the sand when they move to Las Vegas, and then you've got a massive calamitous whiff with the John Gruden era, and then you've got strike two with the McDaniels era. Yes, this is probably the one that's going to stamp the legacy. Either they could never get it right under Mark Davis's ownership, or they turn the corner right there. And when you talk about that uh, situational setup, I wonder if the important thing is to figure out which way you're going to go and then go with it. So it may not necessarily be that uh, one of those can work and the other one can't, although some of us old schoolers think, you know, a GM would probably be the right way to go. Uh, we recognize that you may have a coach that says, hey, I, I would come here, but I need this guy to be the GM, and basically I want to call the shots, or we both report to the owner. I think maybe the important thing is you identify there's these three different ways to do it, if there's three, and then <laughs> commit to a way to do it, and then go for it. My guess is at this point in time, Mark Davis knows if he wants to be an owner-driven organization, picking these pieces, picking these parts, or if he wants to just actually have somebody generally manage his franchise. So I think that there may not be a right way to do it, but I wonder if people get into trouble when they're like, well, we're set up this way, and then here comes owner trying to make a draft pick, or here comes owner blocking a trade that you obviously know well uh, from decades past, or here comes an owner uh, changing this part out. When people are conflicted there, it's no good. We seem to see the most successful franchises over and over seem to have a lane, seem to have an organization, and, and, and try to stay in it. Most of the time, it's owners going maybe out of place. Sometimes you see those other power struggles, but this is going to be a legacy decision, and I think that's why, because the first two in Las Vegas were speed bumps. Whatever this one is, that, that's going to be probably the one that, dictates the direction from here of that legacy. Yeah, the first one was a COVID year. The second one, they couldn't control the John Gruden emails. And no, Josh McDaniels was a, re a rebuild. And I mean, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. Hey, Hard Knocks, I'm a huge fan. I'm not a big fan of the midseason, although I have to admit, this is the first year of the midseason that I like it. Your thoughts on hard knock. You and I are both 
Hard Knocks preseason fans, but what are you thinking of midseason? Yeah, I, I've never missed an episode of Hard Knocks, period. Not one since it's been on ever. So I'm in. This Dolphins team is interesting. And, of course, the first week is very interesting because we had the Raiders element, and you saw just how extraordinarily the Dolphins paid attention to Max Crosby on every play and how they had to plan for him. You've got the Mike McDaniel factor, which makes this hard knocks interesting. But there is something else about this Dolphins team that is different. It's not just the setting. Um, it's not just the schedule that they have, because obviously they played uh, the Black Friday game last week. But uh, this this is an interesting bunch to see. And it is interesting because they they appear to do some things differently than the rest of the league. McDaniel is a very different guy. And it's fascinating because right now what they're doing and what he's doing is working and they've got, they're using the whole field in a different way than we've seen people. They're using analytics. They're using, you know, we've run these plays and ran them here. So we're, we're going to run them over there next week. So we're not so predictable. It's just interesting to see. And this is a, this is a season that the end season, this is a much better interesting thing to see than than say last season um or the one <laughs> the year where the colts blew up and the colts have never recovered that was also something and obviously dolphin fans are hoping not to see that at the end of this in-season hard knocks but it is really really good especially if you're a super fan most of the people out there are i bet you they're digging it so far john let me ask you this question uh you know at the beginning of the year i predicted the raiders to be nine and eight um I predicted them at this point to be five and seven, so I'm still on the money. I'm curious, if you had to pick today, where do you think they end up? Well, right now, we've got them at five and seven, if my reading is correct. And yep. we've got the bye week, obviously. Then there's you go Vikings, Chargers. Yeah, and there's there's already hype. Uh, uh, there's already hype building, and there should be for the Vikings. That, that, what we think that game will be now, as far as playoff and everything else goes, it's going to look a little bit different next week because everybody else almost is playing. Um, I think of the games left, there are – I mean, if you look at them, you're thinking off the top of your head, there are four of them, at least four of them, that are really winnable. And the way they played the Chiefs, you would say five, maybe, but you say, well, wait a second, it's in Kansas City. Let's just take that one off the board. It really looks to me like there are four winnable games. We talked about this in the summer. The Raiders were going to go 12 weeks, and then they were going to have really a different schedule, and it was a, a little bit of it was going to be a sprint with the two games at Allegiant in four days. And really, we would know on December 15th, well, maybe not the 15th, maybe the end of that weekend, um, what kind of shot they would have. I look at this very different now. I think you're – prediction turns out to be very possible there are four winnable games on this schedule my impression is the attitude in that franchise is we want to compete and we obviously want to win all of them but what i see on the field even in that chiefs game is more of a belief i think the raiders are going to come out of the bye with a belief that they can beat the vikings they can beat the chargers they might be able to get the chiefs and that they can beat the colts and if they do Let's say they win all of those games, or let's say they just lose at the Chiefs. There may be something on the line 
when they play the Broncos, and they will be ready to play the Broncos. And this nice little run the Broncos have gone on with all the turnovers, that's going to come back to the mean a little bit. The Broncos are not going to be the same as they are right now, where they're arguably one of the hotter teams. And look at the turnover numbers. So I think that we really have something. It's nice to talk about something for a long time and then get to see it. And we didn't know how it was going to get here. But the really unique thing is they've got this bye, and then they've got the double shot of games. And then they are going to have an idea. Are we in this playoff? Can we make a playoff chase? What exactly does that look like? It's pretty exciting. And this is a really good time for their bye week just to come up out of nowhere and then to have two the next week, mid-December. Fascinating times. All right, Johnny, let's do our pick four. The featured foursome. It's your bye week, but you must watch. Always must watch. You know what the deal is. Interesting week Man, for my bye week's gone a whole different direction because my wife <laughs> has been sick as a dog. So that's all not good. my plans. Yeah. All my plans went to crap. Well, that's not good. That's not good. Just it's just not good, period, for, for anybody to be sick. And yeah, we all know how it can totally disrupt what plans you have. Um Kansas City at Green Bay is interesting for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's a trip to Kansas City at night or Green Bay at night for Kansas City. But if you look at where the standings are, it's kind of a last man standing for Green Bay. This would be a massive pull for Green Bay. But it is a setting that suggests um, trouble in many ways. Chiefs are going to kill them. Chiefs are going to kill them. That will be something to see. It's possible, but just keep an eye on Green Bay. They're up against the wall. Now, we just talked about Denver. Denver is going to Houston. What's going to happen? Is this magical run with the turnover machine going to keep going? And also, remember last week we talked about, or we should have talked about how great Jacksonville and and Houston would be. It turned out to be pretty good. Ooh, it's a little bit of a test for the Texans here. How far along are they? Because they seem to be a little further ahead of people than we think. But now you've got this hot, not fluky, but hot, Bronco team with the defense that's on uh, that's coming around too could be a tough one for Stroud. Houston's going to roll. I think this roll. is a tw- I think it's a 28-21, 28-24 game, something like that. I like it to be tight. I don't know who's going to win. I kind of think Houston, but then I think Denver. I think it's a toss up. There's no doubt that Cleveland at the Rams matters. The Rams, again, they pretty much must win this one or they're going to start to siesta on their quest for a playoff bid before December even gets going. Browns at Rams. It's a long trip, but it's a and the, and the Browns uh, The Browns have been out there too. As, as some folks know who saw the game last week or part of the game, they stayed out west, if I recall. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams on this. Um I think they're just – they're competitive. I think they're playing for pride, and I'm just not a buyer at all on the Browns at all. And I am, I'm riding with them. I'm with you there, especially because it's the second week prepping for that new quarterback. I think when you have a new quarterback the first week, it, it seems like defenses need a chance to catch up. I think they're going to be caught up, and I think the Rams have enough veterans to know that they got to have this one, period. They must have this one. Uh, there's no doubt that San Francisco at Philadelphia – is a big game. We all know what happened last time. The Eagles are at home and the Eagles are rolling. I, I like Philadelphia this week. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm riding Eagles all the way. I don't even think. Yeah, I think Eagles win this one handily. Now, any thoughts? Um, the, Justin Fields is is a, is a player of the moment because there's mm-hmm. so much circling around him relative to what that franchise is doing. We don't even know mm-hmm. if they put Justin Fields in a position to succeed yet. I don't think they have. We see Justin Fields has tremendous. Uh, natural ability. He can throw the ball hard. He can throw the ball a long way. He's got long legs. He's like three steps and he's he's going. But um, you want to hear an interesting thing? You want to hear an interesting thing? Jim Tressel taught me when he's when he was scouting high school players. He watched when they were in the open field running. Do they make the five yards in one step, two step, or three steps? He said that was all he needed. Yeah. He said that was all they needed. He needed to know. And uh, he told me about a particular player. I won't say who could. I don't think he would mind, but I don't have his permission. That he said he would do one, then two, one and two. And it happened to be the fastest player he ever saw. He said, but that was a way. uh, To me, when you look at this Eagle team, there's a, a lot of interesting things, but Justin Fields, you know, I really like him personally. I know him personally. I love the way he plays. I love his speed. I don't think Chicago has put him in a place to succeed. And uh, I think they're going to probably try to get rid of him and go get another quarterback. And I want to transition here into my next question for you. I wrote this week that or I talked this week that Lincoln Riley was once a lot of NFL teams had their eye on him. Nobody does now the way he's handled Caleb Williams, no discipline. Caleb Williams, stock has dropped. He's still going to get picked, but Lincoln Riley's, I don't think he has a shot at any NFL team. How fascinating is it to you? How about, about how fast Lincoln Riley has just collapsed? Massively fascinating because as college football has changed, we've seen coaches struggle to adapt to it or want to adapt to it, like Davos Winnie. We've seen coaches like Urban Meyer try to jump to the NFL. And we've seen coaches, I think Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley, miss their chances when they should have gone to the NFL. So what the interesting thing is, uh, is how fast your stock can go from one end to the other. If Ryan Day wants to leave Ohio State after this year and finally go to the NFL, is he going to get the same reception he would have a couple years ago? I don't know, but I find it Mm -hmm. remarkably fascinating. And Riley has this illness. Their program looks disorganized. He's got a former NFL assistant right there. Um, They don't have some of the fundamentals down at Southern Cal, and I think that that concerns a lot of folks. If you take some of the gold standard teams in the NFL, like the Ravens, how many years in a row have the Ravens done the basics very well, nearly across the field? Or the Eagles? The Steelmen. Yeah, or the, uh, so far across the field. So if you're going to be an NFL head coach, I would think that you'd need to show that you've got a really meticulously organized team at least the team that's out there playing nobody necessarily cares about the you know the, the fourth string red shirt freshman but what we've seen with Riley is a lack of steadiness 
And a quarterback that looks pretty undisciplined at different times, making throws and, and doing stuff that, you know, sometimes you may be able to get away with some stuff at the college level. It is not going to happen at the pro level because of the time it takes for guys to close, because of the size of players, et cetera. So I do think there's an interest in that. My interest is I think some guys missed the boat when they either should have got out of college and sat for a while, like Bronco Mendenhall or Chris Peterson have, or they should have gone to the NFL. And unfortunately, we've seen some um, we've seen some less than great results. Davos winning at Clemson, it it, it feels like it's it, it's lost a grip a little bit. And Riley is a guy whether it was the Cowboys or other folks that were interested, I wonder, yeah, if he might have missed his chance, his best chance to jump out. So I find it very interesting to watch those guys at the college level who have a likely shot to go when they try to figure out the timing of whether or not and when they should go. We haven't really seen anybody pull it off well in a while, and there is a gold standard. For the young folks out there, there is a bright gold standard. His name is Jimmy Johnson. And if he had gone back to college, he could have won more national titles. And if he had stayed in Dallas, they would have won more Super Bowls. So don't ever let anybody tell you it hadn't been done. It's been a while, but the guy that did it best, he's going on the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or he just went in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, finally, and soon to go in that Cowboy Ring of Honor. I agree. All right, he's the great John Shop, dear friend. Remember... This is Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can also find John's podcast, Spartan Pride, on the Fans First Sports Network. I also want to give you this. If you watch our podcast, actually not watch it, but just listen on Spotify or Apple, which it's available there too, I'm doing a new thing, which is a five or ten minute exclusive, just audio only every day, in addition to this podcast. You don't see it at our website. You don't see it on YouTube. You just see it there. So encourage you to take a look there. But from all of us, Merry Christmas to all of you. Wish you nothing but the best. Hope you enjoy the rest of this. Man, I hope my wife gets healthy. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thanks, John. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network.